0: Welcome to St. Martin in the Fields and welcome to Great Sacred Music. Special welcome to those of you joining us online. Today we're considering uh, the life and ministry of St. Vincent de Paul after his feast day yesterday uh, and more generally reflecting on issues of poverty uh, in church history. Vincent de Paul was a 17th century Roman Catholic French priest associated with ministry to the poor, who set up a network of organizations still uh, associated with the same kind of work. He was born in 1581 in Gascony. And one story, uh, still much disputed amongst historians and biographers, says that he was abducted by Barbary pirates in the Mediterranean, spent two years as a slave. It's too glamorous not to be true. uh, His life was transformed when he heard the confession of a dying peasant in 1612. When I was taught to hear confessions more than 30 years ago, the priest who taught me said a very memorable thing. He said, uh, you'll find, and you wouldn't expect this, but you will find that you come away from the experience with more respect for the person who's made their confession rather than less. Uh, I have found that to be true. But I've never had an experience like Vincent de Paul had, where hearing the confession of a dying peasant changed my whole life and uh, caused such an extraordinary initiative in the Catholic Church as this occasion did. Vincent de Paul, after that confession, founded the Congregation of the Mission, uh, and he was also very committed to the renewal of clergy life. Clergy um, standards in the 17th century in France were shall we say, suboptimal, uh, but not once he'd got his hands on them. He died in 1660. It took, uh, what's that, 40 plus 37? 77 years for him to be canonized, so obviously administrative hold-ups in the Vatican were, again, suboptimal. But in 1737, he was finally canonized, uh, and the Society of St. Vincent de Paul, world uh, uh, influential today, was founded in Paris in 1833. So, a hugely influential figure. DePaul International, again, is a, is a charity you'll be aware of, very involved in Ukraine and many other countries throughout the world in crises all over the place. We're gonna to start today, as we always do, by singing a hymn together. You'll find it on the inside of the sheets. Uh, it's written by Bernadette Farrell, our near neighbor, uh, very involved in um, the Archdiocese of Westminster as a Roman Catholic. She's a community organizer, a prolific uh, hymn writer, and she wrote this for the dedication of a church. We remain seated as the voices stand and lead us as we sing Christ be our light. going to hear two pieces now with a bearing on issues of poverty. The first is Psalm 43, one of the Psalms concerning justice, and then we're going to hear a setting of the Magnificat. They're quite contrasting in a number of ways, uh, not least because justice, uh, as we would generally understand it, as the Old Testament understands it, is is really a thing for the whole of society. It's It's built up by the rule of law, as we would call it today. That's not really an Old Testament expression. It requires institutions. It requires just people. Uh, And what the psalmist is calling for is that sense of of justice that you plead for when you feel you have been wronged. And there needs to be some kind of institution or an authority uh, that can restore you uh, and vindicate you. The Magnificat, by contrast, is a very different notion of turning, uh, turning the world upside down. It's about upseating the uh, mighty from their seats and exalting the humble and meek. It's always somewhat ironic that it tends to be sung in some of the best endowed chapels uh, in the country. Uh, and, and there's a, an irony there that's probably best not to dwell on. Uh, in this company but uh, the interesting feature about the Magnificat we're going to sing uh, we're going to hear sung today is it was written by HK Andrews who was a longtime lecturer in music at New College Oxford and I'm going to ask Polina who's playing for us today to close her ears for the next bit he actually died whilst playing for the dedication service of the new organ uh, of Trinity College Oxford in 1965. So it's a slightly scary thing um, to be involved with and as a musician. Um, but I, do, I wonder if he died while playing the Magnificat or if it would be more appropriate if he died while playing the Nunc Dimittis, which is really about now let thy servant depart in peace. Anyway, perhaps we can reflect on that uh, as we hear Psalm 43 and the Magnificat played now. Well, we started today with a version of the Beatitudes. We're going to hear another setting, a very different setting uh, now. The Beatitudes have been described as the most important words spoken by the most important person who ever lived, uh, which I think is a not inappropriate designation. But if you think about the shape of the Beatitudes, uh, blessed are the poor, poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and so on, I think you get a different perspective on them if you recognize as you go through the first half of each of them, these are, these are all part of Jesus' experience. In other words, I think you can understand the Beatitudes as Jesus' autobiography. He's, he's telling the story of his life, some of which hasn't yet happened because it's only ha- he only says this in Matthew chapter 5, and obviously most of the gospel lies ahead but it, you realize uh, that he's describing the story of his own life. And also, I think you can think about the comma in the middle, blessed are the poor in spirit, comma, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, as, as the, the kind of lacuna, the little pause between the first half, which really describes the cross, poor in spirit, mourn, and so on, and the second half that describes the life of the resurrection. So you've kind of got the whole gospel, you've got Jesus's whole life, you've got the whole of the cross and you've got the whole of the resurrection in, uh, in the Beatitudes and you've got pretty much all that the church needs to reflect on about poverty. So something to reflect on together as we hear this extraordinary setting by Arvo Pett. Some of you may have been here on Monday evening when the historian Tom Holland was talking about martyrdom and I asked him then what was it that was so threatening about the early church that made the Romans so keen to stamp it out. And he said it was the radical equalization of all levels of society, that Roman society it was tremendously hierarchical with the senator right up here and the slave girl right down at the bottom. Christianity through its veneration of the early saints, the early martyrs, placed the, uh, the status of the slave girl killed for her faith above that of the senator. And that was just intolerable. So that's very much the spirit of the chorus that we're now going to sing. Graham Kendrick very much from the evangelical tradition of the church often associated with pious choruses about a personal relationship with jesus well not here Uh, this is based on psalms 107 and 113 raising the poor from the dust and sitting them with princes we remain seated the voices stand and lead us as we find uh, sing on the inside of the sheets beauty for brokenness coming towards the end of Great Sacred Music for this week. If you've enjoyed yourself, uh, please make a donation uh, as you leave in cash or we have swipe, swipe facilities uh, or you can use the QR code on the back of your leaflets. Do come uh, to our sister program Choral Classics at 3.15 on Sunday uh, and also next week we'll be celebrating St. Francis of Assisi here on Thursday at one o'clock. We're going to finish with an African-American spiritual, all my trials, Lord. It it reflects a conviction deep in the DNA of St. Martin's that uh, you can't fix other people's problems. All you can do is walk alongside them uh, as they sort their own lives out. And that's based on the conviction that, that, that Christ doesn't come to fix the world. Christ comes to be with us in the world and accompany us because it's being with rather than fixing things that is the heart of god's relationship with us and that translates into the fundamental conviction that our problems in life are not really about limitation about not having enough stuff enough information enough wisdom they're fundamentally about isolation this is a, a chorus uh, sorry a spiritual about isolation and obviously reflects how in the midst of slavery, uh, African-Americans during the period of slavery in America found themselves in great company in one another even amidst the trials they were facing. Thanks for joining us.